Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of In The Pool Park. Of course, we are here. We've got the whole gang here back again. How are we, gentlemen? Very well, thanks, That is terrific to hear. And of course, we're dissecting a very big round, the round that was round six. And it all kicked off on Friday night. North Melbourne Western Bulldogs first v second. Huge match, huge crowd, 47,622. Bear in mind those two included one Max Tonner and one Serpent. Um, (laughs) And Maxi, were we impressed or were we a little bit underwhelmed? Um, Well, going to the game, we thought it was going to be a pretty attacking game, didn't we, Serpent? We certainly did. We didn't live up to that hype. I think the score was 9761 for 6945, so it was a pretty dour affair. Um, You wouldn't have thought it was first versus second on the ladder Friday. No, no, definitely not. Uh, I suppose given the two sides were playing, um, exactly what you guys say, just not, not the uh, not the type of game you're expecting. Sort of expecting mm. kind of you know an end to end shootout. I suppose if you like. Exactly uh, right. It was anything but that. Bit of a yeah, bit of a scrap in the end. It was a bit of a scrap. Yeah, Brad Scott did say after the game that um, they do like winning those contests. You know, hard fought contests. Bulldogs still, although they did have their injuries, they still have a pretty good midfield. And talking about that midfield, gentlemen. A man named Lockie Hunter racked up a massive 24 possessions in the first half and finished with 44 disposals. He was unbelievable when a lot of other players seemed to be struggling. Um, Kangaroos went 6-0. and zero. This is the first time they've done that since 1979. 1979 was a long time ago, fellas. And just to remind you how long ago that was, that was when the one-child policy was um, brought in in China. So that is that is a tough one. You've done your research there. So I certainly have. We are talking ancient times. We are talking yeah. ancient times. Um, but anyway, midfield Daniel Wells was um, was back to his best. He had 27 disposals with five clearances, six tackles. Andrew Swallow, 23 disposals, eight clearances. Jack Siebel was also very good. Um, and they though their mid their midfielders their quality players stood up uh, when it mattered most and Scott Thompson I thought was a very crucial player mm. for North he held big Jakey Stringer who is usually um, on the show reel to just two marks and no goals two behinds in in fact and uh, Scott Thompson himself winning twenty six possess- uh, disposals and five rebound fifties so mm. he was. Very crucial. Um, could have been the difference there, I think. Jared Waite was also kept up his good form, sir, for another four, I believe. So, he was, again, the Kangaroos forward line was working pretty well, considering, well, that North only kicked for nine goals for the game, and yeah. Jared Waite's kicked four of them. But um, you, talk about, you talk about the um, midfield, server. The Doggies actually had plus 79 disposals on the Kangaroos. Gee whiz. So you talk about some of their midfielders. Um, Lockie Hunter obviously had 44, McRae 33, Boyd 33, Dalhouse 28, Stevens twenty eight, so the midfielders actually did a lot with the ball. Mm. But when we were when we were um, sitting behind the goals, the goals said you just mm. see not how North was set up um, mm. behind the ball, and the doggies just couldn't find a way through the whole night. And, no. and you're you're absolutely correct about that. And another thing I did notice um, with the setup was actually watching Jakey Stringer try and go up for his mm. contest. Look, Jakey Stringer is a player who once he gets that ground ball, he is almost unstoppable, and you'd back him in from pretty much any yeah, position. But the problem was he wasn't getting he wasn't getting the front position. He was usually trying to get that ball um, that was going to come out. Um, the ball never did come out. Scott Thompson held his ground, took the uh, all the contestant grabs against him, and uh, Jake Stringer just 
has to do the basics best. He's got to bring that ball to ground and actually make a contest and uh, didn't do enough of it. Yeah, I think he's struggling a bit as a, the number one key forward. I don't think mm. he's... I think he probably plays best footy with the number one key forward or no, probably as a number mm. three key forward, really. He's not mm. the no. big dominating marking sort of type. No, so he's I think not. he plays his best footy when they've got Tommy Boyd and maybe even Stewie Cramery. Stewie Cramery, yeah, exactly so, right. Yeah. Yeah, and Tory Dixon was yeah. also pretty quiet oh, yes, on the night as well. Too, so, yes. uh, yeah, that tag isn't quite working for him at the moment. Uh, another game on Saturday, um, Melbourne came up against St Kilda. Of course, Melbourne coming into this game to potentially win three games in a row, which they haven't done for a very long time. And they're also trying to break their Eddie Had Stadium hoodoo. But, yes, unfortunately, right, they uh, weren't able to do it. No, you're right there, Serby. Yes, uh, the St Kilda just a, bit, a little bit too quick and... Slip for them in the end. They mm. just ran them off their feet, as it turns out. You sort of got two very contrasting game styles, I suppose, mm. in that game. You know, St Kilda sort of like to run, like to carry the footy and, um, and break the lines. And sort of Melbourne, uh, very good, you know, sort of on the inside, sort of hard ball team. Um, so despite Melbourne uh, probably going into that favourite, uh, yeah, favourites going into that game, not uh, not enough in the end. Yeah, so you, you point out there their struggles. Eddie had they've only won there once since two thousand seven. So that's really good. The Saints got a really good record against Melbourne actually. Mm. Yeah, the last few times they've beaten them. That's, very, that's another good point too. Yeah, um, I think that was their thirteenth straight win against Melbourne. Was it really in the end? Yes, yes and that is that is quite Phenomenal. significant. That just shows you that dominance. Phenomenal. Jesse Hogan seven goals yeah. and a losing side, mm. and as you mentioned, Serbia they they just couldn't put together. Win number three in a row. Eight goals to three in the third quarter. Jeez. Gee, yeah, that is dominant. Sort of where it was one and lost there, I think. Uh, I think so. Yeah, Nick Rewald as well. 14 marks, 24 disposals. He, he just works so hard. Yeah, he's a workhorse, game. isn't he? And and, um, and three goals too. Uh, Blake Akers was the other one. Ended yes. up with 28 touches. Probably almost the best on the ground. And that rising star on the as well. star on for this week as well. Um, Tim Membry also had five goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The tattooed warrior. He played. <laughs> he played very well. Influential game. Yeah. Yes. You'd almost have to say Nick Rewald's back to his career best form. He he was he was absolutely outstanding. Just about. Yeah. yeah he, strung a few couple. Yeah. Of he games found it. He found it probably uh, mm. two or three years ago consistently, and it looks like he's he's found it again. I reckon. Yeah, and he doesn't have those uh, goal scoring yips either. So he's no. he's just he's just that inspirational leader that. Uh, Definitely, so definitely. That St Kilda really need, and yeah, he um, he stood up again this week, so it was mm-hmm. a very good win for St Kilda. Now, moving on to another game, Adelaide and Fremantle, and we sort of came into this game sort of expecting that Adelaide at home would be pretty comfortable, but Frio yeah. gave him a bit of a fright. Yes, uh, no, I, I, I think Frio's competitive themselves a lot to like in the end. I thought, I thought they, their endeavour was great, but uh, you know, mm. they kicked poorly the goal in the end. They, did, um, they had they almost did. as many scoring shots and weren't able to, uh, to convert as many. Good mm. games from some of their players. Lockie Neal had it 40 times. Um, oh, Michael Wells was 29 disposal and three goals, three goals to go with it. Uh, probably the best of the Crows, I think. Rory Sloan, uh, Sam Jacobs played quite a good game. He and did. Uh, Eddie Betts finished with four as well. Four as well. And uh, Tommy Lynch missed, a, missed an absolute oh, sitter. Um, but he, but he did make up for a pretty quiet afternoon. He kicked a couple in that second half of football. And as you said, Rory Sloan, 31 disposals, mm. one goal. He was probably the pick of the midfielders on the day. But a bit of a scary stat for the Dockers. No club in VFL, AFL history has won a minor premiership and then started the following season as poorly as Fremantle being none and six. So that is, that is a pretty 
bad statistic they'd probably want to forget very soon. It says it all, doesn't it? Sort of sums up their situation, yeah, I think. It yeah. certainly does. But but another player I'd like to highlight here, Alex Pierce in the back line, did a very good job against uh, the inspirational Adelaide skipper, uh, um, Taylor Walker. Kept mm. him goalless. Mm-hmm. So, um. And he only had 10 disposals as well, so a very good performance from a pretty young player. I think he's only playing his third season this year, yeah. so that's a big win for him. Definitely. Now, of course, the game following after this um, late afternoon game, it was the GWS Giants up against Hawthorne. Hawthorne, of course, coming off three very close wins. And, of course, GWS um, in some pretty decent form. Um, this game... Fellas, was it a bit unexpected or was this the coming of age of a side who have been thereabouts but are really imposing themselves yeah, in the game? I think, um, there's been a lot of talk about this game. Well, there's been a lot of talk about the Giants and their their academy throughout the week. Yes, so, there has. Um, Eddie McGuire. The three games Hawthorne had, I think it was three points, three games in a row they just mm. got up. But um, yeah, I think they were pretty much, they almost right for the table, weren't they? I think mm. a few of. A few close encounters almost get it takes a toll on you, but um, the Giants are plus ninety nine in disposal service, so they really just smashed them. I think Stevie J, another great effort by him, oh. he snagged five goals in the end, and Rory Lobb almost broke um, Wayne Carey's contested mark um, totals. I think the Duck had ten contested contested marks, but Rory oh. Lobb had eight. It was actually eight. looked like he was going to break the record. Gee whiz. And he did, and yeah. he did take ten grabs altogether as well. And uh, he's almost—I can't—I couldn't tell you where he was taken in the draft, but he's almost got past Johnny Patton. Um, yeah, Johnny Patton's yeah, had seven I'll tell you, I'll tell you what he was—he was, he was a 2013 draft. I think from memory, a pick in the probably the mid to late twenties. Yeah. yeah, I think. Um, that they really landed. Oh, they really landed one there. Well, they they've found a player, haven't they? Yes. And of course, a couple of other notable players for the Giants. Uh, you know, Stevie J with his five goals. Lockie Whitfield had another very good game. Twenty-eight disposals, two goals. Oh, Heath yes. Shaw, very important off the half back line. Thirty-two disposals. Liam Schill, uh, thirty-four disposals. Dylan, Dylan sorry, Dylan, <laughs> Dylan Schill, thirty-four disposals. But. Wrong team. There I think really I think he's I think his influence over Sam Mitchell really pressuring him um, with his kicks and allowing him to handball more um, also allowed uh, GWS to have a bigger dominance in that midfield mm-hmm. um, and Steve Coniglio thirty disposals as well was also very influential yeah. Um, but yeah the most alarming factor uh, factor for Hawthorne this uh, season so far has been their contestant possessions as we've touched on. They were, th- they were minus 39 in contested possessions um, and minus 18 in clearances as well. So it's just showing the Giants' hunger to get the ball. Mm. Um, and the Giants also laid 22 more tackles as well. So there you go. There you go. Just, just worked a lot harder. Just worked a lot harder and uh, wanted the contest more. And um, they also had 100 more disposals. And they practically just controlled the game from the first bounce and... Mm. Uh, yeah, as we mentioned, they were just absolutely outstanding in that game. So, yeah, Giants certainly making a big statement. And, of course, this round coming up, they have the Freo Dockers. They do. And, they do. Uh, they've, got to, they've got to get them while they're down. And uh, it's another yeah, big yeah. opportunity for the Giants to continue to impose themselves in the okay. AFL. And, of course, on Saturday night, we had the out-of-form Tigers and even the out-of-form Port Adelaide mm-hmm. Power um, playing at the MCG on a Saturday night. And... Uh, 
crowd wasn't big. No. And, uh... No, a little bit underwhelming, but, uh... Yeah, it's interesting. The, uh, this game was, was still right in the balance at three-quarter mm. time. Uh, was up for grabs for either side. Uh, Richmond goalless in the last quarter. Port kicked away a little bit there with a couple late in the game just to finish them off and... Uh, put this win in the bank here, the Richmond. Uh, Richmond's misery continues now, gents. One and Certainly five. Certainly does. <sighs> is, it, uh, is the door shut for this season? You just, just about have to say just so. Just about curtains, isn't it's it? It's going to take a, a 2014 style turnaround for them to, uh, to be there. The last 10 games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like that yeah. is, is what's needed now to be there when it counts. So, yeah, um, Port, Port now three and three. Not playing fantastic footy by no, any stretch, but no, um, certainly not. did. Did enough here, did what they had to do. And they now sit uh, 11th at an even 3-3. Three and three. Um, Yeah, for the Tigers, the best for them, Basher Foy, uh, Sean Grigg was probably their, uh, their best. Uh, Dustin Martin played a good game too. Yeah. Uh, for Port, Polek, Impey uh, and Westhoff with uh, over 20 touches and taking nine mm. marks. But the game was pretty influential. Uh, yeah, and... A very good effort considering Port Adelaide also missing Robbie Gray and Chad Wingard as well. And so. of course, um, more news coming out of this game, Fryzy. Apparently, Trent Cotchin might not be playing this week. Yes, I, I, I believe he's expected to have a couple of weeks out. Gee. Broken cheekbone. Broken cheekbone. Yes. He played, he played through the game. So that's you know that's a pretty good effort to, to pretty, stay out there. Pretty admirable. Yes. But yeah, yeah it's certainly. Yeah, he'll be under the spotlight again when he comes back, I think. Yeah, I but so. um, yeah, look, he's, he's he has been giving it his best go in the last couple of weeks. But mm. yeah, Tigers certainly will be under more pr- more pressure than ever this week, got as well. Hawthorne this week as well. Tomorrow night at the MCG, it's only gets tougher for them. And as we uh, said, still without Alex Rance, so yep, yep. becomes more ominous with that Hawthorne forward line. And of course, Jack Gunston kicking five this week. He's dominating, so yes. it'll be an ominous. Prospect, yeah. of course, Hawthorne will be hungry. Um, another game on Saturday night was down at Simmons Stadium. Uh, Geelong up against the Gold Coast Suns. Gary Ablett back at home. And uh, Maxie, <laughs> yeah. what happened? <laughs> it was just a smashing, mate. Um, the Cats are 25 goals, 18, 168 to the Suns. They can only get 13 score, scores. Um, sure. 7 goals, 648. Mm. The, the main stuff stuck out to me is clearly Cats were plus 139 disposals. 445 that to 306, that's a smashing. And you look at where those numbers came from. It was the midfield, Joel Selwood and Paddy Dangerfield. The combination was working again. Selwood with 32, Dangerfield with 30. But also Josh Caddy and Jimmy Bartell, the old Warriors, coming back. He had 30 as well. But um, Shane Kirsten, he's, in, he's starting yeah. to improve a fair bit. He's mm, kicked played, four, didn't he? He played, yeah, he kicked four along with Tommy Hawkins. And Nakai Cockatoo and Stevie Motlop also chipped in with three. But... Um, yeah, he's, he's yet to do it against a really good side, I think, which would probably get his confidence up. But mm. he's playing well, and he's, I think at the start of the year, he was sort of playing a negating role. He played yeah. that role on Josh Gibson, which he played really well, but he's starting to come into his own, kick four goals by himself. But the question's got to be asked, sir, but what is happening with Gold Coast? They had pretty much the same draft concessions as the Giants, and we look they at did. where the Giants are now yeah. compared to the Gold Coast in their streets ahead. Exactly right, and, and we're actually making this point before me and, me and Fryzy, and uh, you almost think with the mature recruitments that the Gold Coast Suns have had in comparison to GWS, you almost got to wonder whether they stack. Well, I think, mm-hmm. I think the Giants just, they stockpiled young midfielders. They did. They went specifically, originally they specifically went after Victorian so they could trade with all 
10 Victorian clubs, and that's probably they've continued to stockpile draft picks, which they've now used to get their academy boys. But yeah, the Gold Coast boys, they just look, they don't look up to scratch with it. I know they've got a few good players yeah. out with O'Neill and a few others swallow, but yeah, they, did, they just got smashed, and I think they had a fair review. And that, even the Suns boys, I don't think they were too happy with Gary Ablett by, the, by what I've heard. He only had 26 possessions, and this year he just hasn't looked up to his usual standard set. Oh, I don't know if he's playing injured, but... Mm. Yeah, it yeah. could it could be a bit of a cloud over him, but yeah, Have certainly... Gee, he just continues to let them down. Oh, like, no, only 26, 26 disposals. disposals. Come yeah. on. Anyway, he should, be, he should be getting 40 a week, game. shouldn't he? Oh, yeah, just yeah. Absolutely disgraceful. Oh, but no. i tell you, one game which really stood out for me this round was, of course, Brisbane Lions up against the Sydney Swans. This was a very wet and sluggish affair, and Buddy Franklin again kicked five goals, but the, the Brisbane Lions were very gallant, and they only they just went down in the end of the day. Impressive in the end, yeah. Mm. Um, 15-7-97 to 14-10-94 Luke Parker's mark and goal in the last minutes um, Of course sealed the win um, It was a very interesting battle as far as the clearances went um, You know, Swans are being known as you know Probably one of the best contestant ball sides in the competition But mm. Brisbane, to their credit, really stuck it up to them I mean, Z- Dane Zorko was outstanding with 33 disposals um, but hard-nosed mid- Mitch Robinson led the charge with the contestant touches. He got 19. Tom Rockliffe got 15 contestant touches. Pierce Hanley, who finished up with 24 disposals, two goals, the vice-captain, uh, finished up with 13 contestant disposals. And, of course, ex-Carlton player Tommy Bell, 12 contestant disposals. So they really did go um, you know, foot and foot with mm. those really talented Sydney midfielders. But at the end of the day... I think the stretch had just got the best of the yeah, of the lines. It was. It sort of looked like a fairly bad injury at the start, but mm. he ended up running off. So we heard um, Justin Lethbridge's comments after the game. He wasn't he happy. Was, he's, he was. His belly was full of fire, and uh, he certainly wasn't too happy with uh, with the call. But uh, yeah, equally, it certainly does bring a pretty complex and ambiguous rule that the AFL mm. um, haven't really had to use many times in their history. No. Just, just um, want to touch on one player, so Brown Kurt Tippett had 25 disposals yes. playing as the second ruck and 36 hitouts, and also three inside 50s and one goal. And he's he's on big money, but he's sort of becoming almost a ruck, a second ruckman. But he's playing really well to have 25 touches for a guy that big. Mm. And mm. Buddy Franklin another five goals, which was a bit surprising in the wet. He did pretty he did pretty well against Daniel Merritt, but um, yeah, the Swannies just got over the line in the end. And the, the other thing we must remember is Kirk Tippett was up against Stefan Martin, who yeah. has been in some pretty good form. So that, that was a very big scalp by Kirk Tippett. Now, on Sunday, two bitter rivals went up against each other, of course. This hasn't been the, the first time that um, two of the bottom-ended sides have came up against each other. Of course, it was Carlton taking on Essendon at the MCG. It was a very hard game to watch, wasn't it? Certainly was, and uh, mm. was it the second or the third quarter where uh, it was the second, second quarter and uh, not a sausage roll was scored? <laughs> Absolutely disgraceful, but um, I suppose uh, I that's sort of the quality of football we're going to see from these clubs. No, I, I think people sort of got to start to get a bit more excited by the last quarter. There was a lot more happening then. Certainly um, was. Um, yeah, it was 
at one stage there late in the third quarter, I think the scoreboard read something like 25 to 11, which is just unheard of. Ridiculous. Um, yeah. And we're not uh, talking 25 goals, Frank. No, we're no, no. 25 we're, we're talking score. Actual score. score total score. Um, yeah, I mean, from a, from, I mean, from our point of view in this room, from an Essendon point of view, it was, it was uh, we never really uh, sort of played well for any periods of this game. It was sort of disappointing when, again, it was another one of these games where we went into it with a good chance to win, weren't able to do so. Um, it, it, it's not a great endorsement for Carlton either, and in fact, not a great endorsement for football in general, this, this particular game, but... Um, Yes, I, I think the boys would be happy they walked away with it four points, but uh, I, I suppose if, you, if, you, if I was to put it uh, one way, I'd say they were uh, just less uh, bad than we were, I suppose. Yes, I suppose so, yes. It was kind of But we're not jumping to one conclusion and saying no, the teams were spectacularly decent. Football was the loser it's on pretty, Sunday. It was pretty bit. entertaining in the last quarter and a bit, so, but... Um, Daisy Thomas sort of coming back into form. So yes. one touches, and I think he might play his old side this week. So certainly be does. Good, be good to see him in some good form because the last few times he's he's been he's run into the five. He's been in pretty poor yeah, form. Yeah, so yeah, he's yeah, terrible. It'd be sort of good to see him against his old side when he's actually fully fit and mm. in good in some good form. So that'll be interesting. But yeah, it was a pretty poor game. But um, we'll just touch on young Darcy Parrish again. Hey. One of my favourites, but um, another big game for Darcy. Cold oh, heroes, yeah, huh? he had eleven touches, but he kicked two pretty important goals. He and considering, he did. considering there was only eighteen goals kicked for the game, and the Bombers only kicked mm. eight mm. of them, he's done pretty well there. So he's finding other ways to get into, get himself into the game. He's uh, yes, he's been excellent the first six weeks. Although at times, he just looked a little yeah. bit slow in the legs. I yeah. uh, I can confirm he is going to be rested this week. I yeah, uh, which is. I, I think quite a wise decision. I mean, I think so. I don't know about you guys, but I don't, I, I don't particularly, want, I don't particularly <laughs> want to see him up there getting smashed around by no, definitely Kennedy not. and Hanabry and the like. So, uh, probably a good yeah. result. And then the last game, Sir, for West yes. Coast Collingwood. Yes, this was a very yeah. intriguing game. Yeah, um, it was West Coast 18 goals, 16, 124 to the Pies, 9 goals, 8 to 62. Now, it looks like it looks like a big margin in the end, but there was actually a stage server when the Pies were coming back into the game. I think it was around the second quarter. Um, the West Coast got off to a really good start. They kicked six goals to one in the first quarter, and then they, the Pies piled on um, another three three goals to two in the second quarter, and then four goals to two in the third quarter. So the Pies were coming back at one stage, but then they just let West. We know how good West Coast are, yeah. and they, kicked, they ended up kicking eight goals to one. In the Quarter, but, um, he got away for quite yeah, easily. The actually had plus, plus were actually plus forty disposals, Sefer. But um, mm. yeah, the um, West Coast—they're just too good over there. But um, yeah, a few good performances. Mark Crah, I think he was one of the best. He had twenty-seven disposals and kicked three goals. But um, Josh Kennedy—he's got, got the yips back by the looks of it. Three oh. goals, six. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that. But um. Adam Trelaw, another good that, another good game for him. Another thirty-two disposals. And young Josh Smith in his Josh first Smith, game, yes, yeah, twenty-nine disposals. Wow, so get him in your super coach. Set, Absolutely but, um, right. He's been very good. Yeah. It's, it's sort of a game where the West Coast got it for the good start. It was sort of a tale of two halves, but the two halves were probably the first and fourth quarter, and the second and third quarter split unevenly. But um, yeah, the West Coast just too good over there at Patterson Server. Exactly right, and we're still not overly convinced with those Eagles as yeah, yet, trying to build up those premiership credentials. Now, of course, 
Fellas, we move to one of our favourite segments. We've got our praise, dazers and lasers. And I'll start the ball rolling. My praise this week actually goes to the MCG for their new plan. They've released a $1 billion plan to redevelop the precinct, saying it will ensure to remain one of the world's top sporting spots. And I think they will do this with a proposal to include an elevated pedestrian path between the cricket, the Melbourne Cricket Ground and Richmond Station. So obviously we know how big the congestion is between those two spots. It will also ensure that the area is a lot safer and it will also include space for public, um, more public spaces, live events and parkland. So it will bring a bit more ambience around the ground. However... The planning minister does say this could take up to 20 years, so it might be a while before this actually comes into place. But if it does, it'll make the area look quite spectacular. Very nice, Serbs. That's uh, yes. We can only hope that all uh, that all goes to plan. I'm praising Port Adelaide this week, actually. Uh, look, not for uh, their year on the whole. I mean, uh, I, I think we can honestly say they haven't had a great year to date, but they're still three and three. Just though. yeah, that's right, that's right. So they've um, you know, it's not all bad news for them at the moment. Um, I'm praising them for this particular week. I thought they held off a Richmond side when they really needed to do so. It was uh, kind of all or nothing for the for both those mm. sides in that game. So, and uh, I think had they have been beaten, uh, the ramifications would have been would have been huge for Port. And mm. it was a game that uh, yes, they they did well. To win, they did their uh, sorry. They they went there and they uh, they got the job done. And as I touched on earlier, missing key players as well. Mm. So yeah, takes a bit of pressure uh, off Ken Hinckley. And it does, uh, it does for now. Port, for the Port do being. have a decent record at the MCG. So you're right, you're right. Include, including a couple of finals, a couple of finals. Years, yeah. So that was a very important win. Very good one, Fryzy. And how about you, Maxie? What have you got? Um, I've actually got a favourite, an AFL favourite. So um, I've gone with Eddie Betts. Another four oh, goals this week. Beautiful. Um, 20 goals from his first six games, and he's fourth, fourth in the um, common medal race at the moment. But the only um, small forward in the top five, along with Tom Lynch, Lance Franklin, Jared Waite, and Josh Kennedy, who's, who's actually beaten. But 20 goals already, and he's, I think it's his third season at Adelaide. Now he's gone to 235 games. From that, he's kicked 424 goals. He's one of the best small forwards of all time. Certainly got the wraps on him. He's putting himself the into of, the into up, the, up with the likes of Milne and even KB at the end of his career, finished mm. as a small forward. But um, not to mention his showcase reel. <laughs> oh my God! Some of those. Uh, he loves that pocket, doesn't yeah. he, fellas? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, one of the best of all time. He certainly will be. And my days for this week, of course, was the stretcher. Of course, Justin Lepage, uh, Brisbane coach, was fuming over it. And um, it sort of brings a bit of ambiguity over the actual rule itself. I did take a further look into the rule. Of course, the, uh, the, the, the stretcher was called while there was a live ball in Brisbane's forward 50. Um, and Leper was even calling whether this was a tactical move by um, the Sydney Swans. Under AFL law 7.3.2 clause A, <laughs> where a stretcher is required, the following procedure shall apply upon being advised or noticing that a play requires a stretcher. The field umpire shall stop play at, early, at the earliest opportunity, which did help it happen. So I don't think the umpires were in that bad. The problem was, of course, Callum Sinclair did walk slash run off the ground. Therefore, mm-hmm. I don't think a stretcher was required. It did look pretty bad at the time. Though, didn't but it so did look like a pretty bad injury when it first happened. It, it, was a, it certainly did bring a lot of confusion. 
But whether this was a tactical thing from the Swans, they completely deny it. John Longmire doesn't believe that either. But I think I think this was just an odd rule brought up and mm. uh, I don't think it will get too much more air depending on whether it actually happens no, again or not. I think no. the emergency umpire actually was the one who blew the whistle and the emergency mm. umpire is never meant to actually blow the whistle. So that's a bit of a strange one. Yeah, well, there you go. That is interesting. How that, how that happened. Uh, Maxie's, Maxie's spot on. Mm. We, uh, if they're not uh, taking part themselves, they only really there for... Well, quite exactly. what it says, in case of emergency. Uh, yes, my, my days this week, fellas. Uh, you touched on the crowds a bit earlier. Some some, some good crowds uh, in some games, but some some, very, some dwindling numbers in some other mm. games. Uh, I don't know whether it was uh, the weather certain parts of the weekend or just some frustrating time slots. I know no one particularly likes a Sunday at 20 past three. Or a, no. I mean, what the hell is 4.40 p.m., like, for goodness sake. Um, but then again, it was not every game, as I said, you know, uh, Northern Bulldogs, good crowd of 47,500 on Friday night. The ones that caught my attention, though, Melbourne, the Saints, uh, Saturday afternoon, two Victorian clubs, both on the rise, showed uh, plenty of upside this year. Only a tick over 27,000 at that game at the stadium. These fans don't like travelling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, they I really don't. I think, it's, I, I think it's a bit yeah. for some of the these fans to get themselves to where you had there. Yeah. They don't like it yeah, particularly. Uh, and then the same that same night at uh, the MCG, Richmond and Port Adelaide, uh, very similar number again, just a touch over twenty seven thousand mm. there. What's happened to the Tiger fans, guys? Uh, have they, you know, have they lost hope? They, they jumped off the wagon. Are they frustrated? I tell you what, you <laughs> the memberships. A few <laughs> guys, a few less thousand than that. That could have moved to punt row that game. Missed out. Uh, and then the the other ones are uh, on Sunday afternoon at the Gabba. I know that they're uh, Brisbane, not particularly known for getting massive crowds in sort of home and away games. Uh, in recent years, only fourteen and a half thousand that game at the Gabba, Brisbane. Sydney in a stadium that, mm. as we know from uh, packed houses, that the cricket can hold forty thousand. So, certainly can. Uh, yes, but I, I think I think Maxie's quite right. Though. I think uh, the conditions certainly play a part, as they did at the MCG later that day between the Blues and the Bombers. Now, normally, any other circumstance, this game you'd be thinking somewhere vicinity seventy or eighty thousand, as it normally is. At least sixty plus. Forty three thousand eight hundred twenty seven no. on Sunday again. I know people don't like Sunday at 20 past three. It does drag on. You probably don't get home until 7 o'clock. Uh, weather as well. And, of course, you know, ladder positions, circumstance, all those things considered, I think, was the reason that we got those figures. But, yeah, that, that stood out to me this week. Boys did, but mine was just a bit of the goal kicking on the weekend server. Um, yeah, we saw Tommy Lynch's absolutely oh. disgusting. Mm. We saw yes. Drew Petrie's one, I think, yes. <laughs> on Friday night. Yes. Right in front, and he's kicked that out on the full. And that we was went disgraceful. Sunday night at Patterson's and Josh Kennedy, one of the best, or one of the best, usually shots a goal. He's had his troubles in the past with another three goal six and just doesn't seem yeah. to get any better as these go on surface. But yeah, it's just some really bad goal kicking performances on the weekends, mm. especially with Tommy Lynch. Right? Exactly. <laughs> three out, uh, that one was absolutely disgraceful. It's probably harder to miss that. And even, and even Maxi, Sam Grimley, a very simple, yeah. looked like a very simple kick off the ground. Um, yeah, cool. Mm. Could have gotten the only goal in that could have quarter. Up and kicked it too, guys. Couldn't he had that much time? Oh, and now, of course, my lays for this week. I think everyone was wondering what happened to Hawthorne this week, and uh, it has been highlighted over the last couple of weeks. As I said, they were down minus thirty nine in contested possessions, and the fifth time from six games this season they've been beaten in that area. Minus eighteen in clearances, and. Uh, yeah, the the premiers, um, the, the the premiers from last season 
could barely get their hands on the ball. So, so what has stopped all this from sort of working? And look, usually Alastair Clarkson's teams rely on their elite users in the back line, mm. setting up those forward movements and filling up those gaps. But of course, in 2016, Matt Suckling's gone. Brian Lake's retirement has meant Josh Gibson has had to play the role of that key defender. Um, and also with Taylor Giray not quite in the best form at the moment and Sean Burgoyne sucked into the midfield, it means it's pretty much a lone hand down there with Josh Gibson and Grant Birchall and Spuddy Frawley, mm-hmm. which which has played very well. Um, but it you know it, it sort of meant that those players who have played those traditional roles over those years are starting to play different roles, and that means... Hawthorne are getting exposed in other areas. And so, of course, you know, I've, I've criticised them a little bit now. What are they going to have to do? Good news is Jared Ruffhead comes back in the next couple of weeks. He's a high-quality forward. He yeah, will really... Luke Hodge, though, this week. And Luke he's, Hodge was... He's done something to his knee, by the looks. He has, and he's going to be out for a couple more weeks, yeah, apparently, so as well. Take a trick at them. They certainly can't, but I think the Hawks need another true backman. I don't think it's going to be Sean Makers. I have been a critic of him as him in the past. Tim O'Brien, I've liked the look of him. He might be the one, but Gibson does need that freedom again. He needs to be that loose mm. man who can. Third man yeah, he does. He does. Best role, isn't it? Instead of being the main man, so um, yeah, they're going to do that. But look, I think in the, it's 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 not all doom and gloom for the Hawks. The next five games are pretty winnable. They could go to eight and three mm. and. Uh, that that fourth that fourth horn could be a very yes. big possibility. That's my lays for the week, Frizy. What have you got? Well, played? boys, my lay something a bit different. My lays this week was myself. <laughs> with my very very disappointing football uh, yes. tipping, oh, no. it yeah. uh, started off on the wrong foot. Started with the Western Bulldogs on Friday night. I mm. still, uh, as we sit here this afternoon, don't know why uh, I picked the dogs to win that game on Friday night. There wasn't a lot of thought process behind that. Uh, I then tried to play it safe on Saturday night by tipping the Hawks uh, up at Spotless Stadium. That was before they were beaten by 13 goals. Um, <laughs> I also backed Melbourne on form that afternoon as well. And, uh, they mess I, with you at the D's, don't they? I they certainly yeah, they do. do, they do they, uh, the, uh, the old D's tease. You've got to yeah. be very, very uh, cautious when you tip them. Uh, whenever you tip them. Win. <laughs> That's Especially. It. That's it. And, uh, a little bit ahead of themselves. Yeah, you're right. And, of course, I... Uh, Tipped our bombers on Sunday as well to finish with just five for the week in one of the competitions I've been. I think on uh, only a couple of tips off the very bottom of the ladder, so it's not looking too good at the moment. I was with you there, for us. I mm. tipped five this week, so mm. yeah, yeah it, wasn't, it wasn't a good week for tipping. So no, it yeah. wasn't. I got a pretty bad score as well, but a little positive out of that. Uh, McDonald's did have a promotion. I did tip the bombers, but I did win a free cheeseburger on oh, Monday, so, so it wasn't all. Great. Did you go and collect it? Did you? I certainly it? did. Yeah, good man. It uh, you know, had to had to taste the loss, but it was uh, it was a decent taste. I've got to say. <laughs> How about you, Max? What was your yeah, lays for this round? We went through this game before, and we sort of touched on this. But my lays got to go to the Suns. They're now tenth. They're a year ahead of the Giants, but they sit tenth, and I can't see them making eight. Yeah. And it's tough. from the looks of things, to play finals. probably no. thinking that, or I think that probably they're going to lose Jago Mira, and that's to go along with. Yes. Some players that they've lost in the last few years, along mm-hmm. like Caddy, Dixon, and Benall, they're just they're falling behind. And for a club that's had that many concessions that they've had, they're almost it's sort of looking like they're going to have to go backwards before they go forward again. Mm. But they're going to have to go rebuild. through the draft. But I think their academy comes in this year, so I don't know how many players they're going to get from that. But they just mm-hmm. look like they're 
an average, really average side, and the Giants mm. are streets ahead of them in the moment, Serpa. Yeah, it's certainly, with the Giants' big win this week, it certainly does highlight how behind the Gold Coast Suns are. So very good, Maxi. Very, very good indeed. Now, gentlemen, we're going to have a look at the preview for Round 7. It shapes up as a, hopefully a lot easier to tip, but there are some very, very good games which we're certainly going to watch with interest, and the ladder after this round might become a tiny bit more settled. Of course, we begin at... The MCG, we finally got a, another Friday night match in Melbourne. This is great. It's, of course, the out-of-form Tigers against the slightly out-of-form Hawks. Fellas, mm. who have you got in this one? I think you've got to go with the Hawks. Yeah, I, yeah, think I think so. Think sure I think so. Lose this one this week. Yeah. And yeah, I'll tell you what, a, a song that's reminiscent of the Tigers, we're on a road to nowhere. This, this, <laughs> could, this could be... They've got to turn this one around. However, I did dig up a very interesting stat. Richmond and Hawthorne have met only three times on a Friday night at the MCG, and the Tigers are undefeated on all three of those occasions. Okay, maybe a full moon server. It could just very, be, Maxie. Nice um, but despite this, Hawthorne haven't lost consecutive games since early 2014. Therefore, right. I'm going with the Hawks to rebound. I'm Maxwell. going with the Hawks. I think you've just... You can't tip Richmond against the Hawks at the moment, knowing the Hawks' track record over the last four or five years. Yeah, they'll find a way. They certainly they will. They sure will. They sure will. Mm. And on Saturday, we return to the MCG again to the two bitter rivals. This is going to shape up as a very interesting match because Collingwood are sort of a bit out of form and Carlton have won two in a row. They're on a bit of a streak. Um, Three in a row, yes. mm. Could be. I reckon they're a rough chance here, the Blues. There's no reason why they can't win it. Um... Personally, I still think Collingwood should just be too good, so I'm going to take the Pies this week. I'm going for an upset here. Oh, yes, well, I'm going to go with Collingwood here simply on they do play pretty well at the G. But um, a very interesting player we're going to all have a look at is Daisy Thomas up against his old club. He hasn't played that well against his old club in the past, as we touched on before. Um Look, it's going to be unlikely that he's going to be back to his um, breathtaking 2010-11 form, but I think the Blues fans are just going to hope for some consistency with him, and uh, hopefully he can perform well on the weekend. And now we move to Simmons Stadium again, where Geelong are up against the West Coast Eagles, who, on the road, don't play too well. Gents, who have you tipping in? a lot of pickups to the West Coast. I think um, yeah, the, jury, the jury's definitely out against them against... Outside Patterson Stadiums, I think, a few weeks ago when they played at the SCJ and they mm-hmm. got belted by the Swannies in the last quarter. But, um, yeah, I think just at home, I'm going to go with the Cats. I think they're in pretty good form as well. So, but. Yeah, I, 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 I'll, um, I'll go with the Cats as well, just. Well, I, look, I don't think, uh, you know, I'd be totally against tipping West Coast, but no, I, I think I'd have to agree with uh, what's been said just now about mm. them. Uh, Inability on the road, I think. That's, mm. Yeah, so no cats for me. And, and, and another reason why I will be tipping the cats this week is um, Geelong have dominated West Coast quite significantly down at Simmons Stadium. They've won the past four matches by an average of 64 points down there. And the Eagles haven't won a game at Simmons Stadium since their golden years back in 2006. Yeah, so, pretty famous win down there. That was, yeah, I think that was it. I think it was yeah. a big, was that a big was, comeback, wasn't yeah. it? Was that, that, was, was, that, that was a very memorable win that been it. Yeah. for the Eagles. But since then, they haven't been able to break the shackles down they at Simmons. So uh, 
I shall be tipping Geelong for that game as well. Now we head to the SCG. This seems to be a stronghold for the Swans, the old SCG. And uh, Sydney up against Essendon. Um, gentlemen, is it pretty yeah, obvious who's going to be winning I here? I think you've got to tip the Swannies, which is something as painful as that is to say. But it'd be interesting to see what the Swannies do with their team. I don't know if they stand in the outside. Yeah. To see if they rest a few players. Or it'd be just it'd be interesting to see what the Dogs can dish up and also what the Swannies what the Swannies decide to do with their team. I don't know if they're going to rest some of their midfielders and just back mm. some younger boys mm. to get the job done. But yeah, I think you've sort of got to go with Sydney on this yeah. one. Yeah, I think certainly when you brought up this game, you just felt the collective mm, in this room yeah. at the prospect of this game. Mm. Yeah, look, if, I, I think uh, if the Bombers can limit the damage to maybe anything inside eight or ten goals, I think they would uh, be wrapped with that effort. Yeah, it, I think, um, it could be one-way traffic. Yeah, yeah. I think so Sydney for me, of course. Yeah. I think also um, Buddy Frank on the wing. He's got a very good record against the Dons. He certainly does. And uh, I was about to mention um, who he's going to be up against this week. Apparently, Michael Hartley, I think, I think Michael Hartley is to well, go on Big I Buddy in his sixth game of AFL. He can certainly hold his he own. His uh, uh, he certainly has. He's already taken down some, some pretty formidable opponents already this year. So, he certainly has. Uh, that, he, he, I think, is Essendon's best shot at mm. restricting Buddy. Um, but, you know, Maxie's, Maxie's point is a very uh, valid one that I think Buddy will be uh, looking forward to this game just a little bit more than any other week. Oh, it certainly, he does put in an extra effort for Essendon and I'm yes. going to go with Sydney as well. And on Saturday night, we have the Gold Coast Suns back at Metricom up against the Demons. Um, this could be a bit closer a strange, than what we think. Strange sort of match. You don't have a no idea. Really? Yeah, yeah, I'm... Sure, I, think. I think I'm just going to go with the D's. I know they were pretty poor last week, so obviously the Gold Coast were shocking. But um, yeah, I'm just going to go with the D's. I couldn't tell you why. Just yeah. gutted. No, I think yeah. uh, I think I'm in agreement with Maxie said as well. Tough, tough game to call this. Yeah, but yeah, yeah Melbourne, Melbourne just for me. Yeah, I'm going to tip Melbourne as well, um, purely on their midfield depth, um, and a very interesting um, fact on. Dug up here, Jared Harbrow, as we know, of course, converted to a son in 2011. He's the first son in their history to reach 100 games. So that, hopefully, maybe the Suns could uh, get up for him, but uh, I'm going the Demons in this one. And probably the pick of Saturday night's games will be the Western Bulldogs at home to the Adelaide Crows. Mm. This is two very high-scoring teams. Going head in head. What's going to happen, fellas? Another replay of the Doggies North game. Where yes, we hope not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we can get some high scoring like we saw in the Adelaide Hawthorne game um, a few weeks ago. But um, I'm going to tip the Crows. I think the Doggies are struggling a bit, starting yeah. to struggle a little bit without their gun players. So I think the Crows just yeah plus one for me. I think I think the Crows are as well from combination of things, but mainly uh, Dogs. Form the last couple of weeks, as as Matthew mentioned, uh, got a lot to do with the players out. I think uh, Adelaide might. And I think I'm going to go the Crows here as well. They don't play the worst footy at Etihad Stadium either, but mm. I do want to see Big Jakey String of the package <laughs> have a deliver. bit more of a performance here. Who really needs to stand up? He has had a couple of shocking weeks, so let's hope yes. he can play a little bit better for the dogs' sake. Very now on Sunday we have. The Fremantle Dockers. 
Oh, this is a, this is another Saturday night game. That's My six, apologies. Six on Saturday this week. That's unusual. Yeah, that's a, that Melbourne Gold Coast game is, a, I think, a five o'clock game. Or yeah, something. it so might be an early nighter for that one. On Saturday this week. Now, of course, we've got the Fremantle Dockers up against the GWS at the main stadium. GWS have never won a game in WA, and they've never bet Fremantle in their short history. Gentlemen, are they going to turn the tide here? I think so. I think, yeah, I, I, I think they've started to improve their definitely their effort, not so much their execution in the last few weeks. But it'd be interesting. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if the Jedi can get the job done at the main stadium. Um, mm. I think we're going to have to tip them on the back of last week's form. But yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see what the Jedi do because the expectations on them to do it. So mm. we saw what Melbourne dished up when the expectation was on them last week. So we'll see the how mature the Jedi boys have become this week. If yeah. they can yeah. get the job done as favourites. I think they're almost travelling probably too well to tip against them. It's a kind of game where if I uh, if I tip Freo, they'd probably get beaten by ten goals or something. Mm. So I, yeah, I, I'm gonna have to go the Giants this week. I and think I'm gonna go the Giants as well. Now on Sunday we have Drew Petrie's three hundredth game. Of course, it's mm. St Kilda up against North Melbourne, and three hundred games for a player who's felt like he's been around forever. Mm. Pretty good, pretty good effort. Can North get up for it? Yeah, we. I think he's in the top five or six um, North Melbourne all-time um, games player. I think he's only, I think Grant Archer was second. He's 3.11 by memory, and I think there's a couple others on 3.06 or 3.07, and obviously he's probably about 120 or something behind Boomer at the moment. Yeah, but, um, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's been a really good player, Drew, but um, I think the Saints are sort of rough chance, but there's playing some pretty good footy, the Saints, especially Eddie Adstaden, but I think we're going to have to sit north just based on their form and how they started the year so far. Yeah, hard to, hard to go against the North America. I, I mean, I think I'm kind of thinking down the same line as Maxie as well, but you sort of think North's, uh, North's uh, flawless start to this season probably has to come to an abrupt end at some stage. I hope it's the week after against the Bombers, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think they'll probably get the job done this mm. week. I think if the Saints can start well, they can really give it to them. But I think North Melbourne will get up here for Drew's 300th. And of course, this will be the third. To- this will be the first time since 1979 that they'd win seven and zip. Mm. Uh, there you go. Very special year, that one, as we yes. know. And, uh, of course, the final game of the round, we have Port Adelaide up against the Brisbane Lions. Of course, this was the upset win that Brisbane brought on last year. Can they repeat that this week at Adelaide Oval, fellas? They played pretty well against the Swannies, Brisbane. They've been, pretty good. They've been competitive mm. in and out of games, like the whole year. They've had their, pa- their patches throughout every single game, I think. Yeah, exactly. There's definitely been stages where they've been beaten by better, far better sides, but... They've been competitive, and I think Brizzy. I'm tipping Port just because I think they're the better side, but I would not be surprised at all if the, if the Lions get up here for Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm going to take Port Adelaide as well, but yeah, I, I, I uh, do agree on that. I think Brisbane will be competitive for most of that game. I think uh, probably the Adelaide Oval factor as well mm. probably will mean that uh, Port will get over the line if Port do want to prove themselves that they can push for that top eight bracket. Well, these these are the games they've just got to win. Not I think, exactly right. They're at home. They'll have a big crowd there. I've got Port Adelaide as well to win that one. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been another very, very good podcast. Sorry, Seba. Thanks again. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to another episode of In the Ballpark. I'll join you next week. Thank you very much.